Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. Folks, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be looking at Galatians chapter 3. We're going to be focusing on uh, verses 19 through 22 today. Now, what we're going through, again, is Galatians. We've entitled our series, Accepted. That is, that you and I are accepted by God as we are, not because of what we do. And we're also in Galatians, we learn about experiencing grace day by day. And so that's what we've been focusing on. And Paul has been going through this rather unusual letter, and I say it's unusual because of the way it's structured, trying to help us to understand what it is to be saved, what it is to have salvation, what it is to be a believer and accepted by God. Because Like the Galatians, we can be confused and we can even be deceived. What do you mean, George? Well, remember, he started out this letter in an unusual way. Most of his letters, he starts out with a prayer of thanksgiving, thanking the Lord for them. But with this letter, he starts out, first of all, telling them that they're foolish, that somebody has deceived them from the basic truths of the gospel, that you and I are accepted by Jesus, not because of what we do, but because of what Jesus has done for us. And so over the last few weeks, we've been looking at this, looking at our acceptance with Christ. And so he's going to explain today the whole issue of the law. Now, I think we understand the law, right? It's that set of rules that God has given us as far as how we live our lives, how we function in our world. But before we talk about that, I think we need to understand why our discussion today is so important. And that's because you and I, whether we realize it or not, and some of you really realize it, we're caught in an endless cycle, an endless cycle of spiritual defeat. What do you mean? Well, if you think about your Christian life right now, you will realize that you are caught in a cycle of spiritual defeat. Because if you were to measure your spiritual life, you would say it's kind of not like a straight trajectory walking with Jesus. It's like up and down, hills and valleys. And you find yourself defeated at times when you thought you were doing great with the Lord. You'll find yourself defeated because of, let's acknowledge what it is, because of our sin. And not just all of our sins, because all of our sins affect our relationship with Jesus. It's because of certain sins that are big in your mind. And now you feel that the relationship with Christ is blown out of the water. And so you're in this endless cycle. So here's what I want you to understand. Two points. Number one, you need to consider why you're caught in the cycle of defeat. You need to understand why you're caught in the cycle of defeat. And so for some of you, you will look at it and say, well, it's because I'm not giving enough, or it's because I don't go to church enough. I wasn't there every time the doors opened because I was sick one day, or I went on a trip, and so I wasn't there. So obviously it's not going well because I wasn't attending the service. Folks, you don't attend a service for acceptance with God. You attend a service be 
because of your relationship with God and you want to be with God's people and you want to grow. Some of you, it's because you say, I didn't have my devotions for a few days this week. And so therefore, my, my spiritual life is not where it should be. I'm telling you right now, that has nothing to do with it. It's a relationship, not an exercise. So you personally need to look at your own life. I need to look at my own life. And I need to decide, and you need to decide, why am I in this cycle of defeat? Why am I always struggling with considering the relationship with Christ? And why do I always struggle with wondering if he accepts me or if I've screwed up this time? You need to consider why you're caught in a cycle of defeat. Here's the second thing I want you to see. You need to recognize that there's nothing that you can do to break it. Whoa. George, it's bad enough to be in the cycle and go through those ups and downs and to to have that struggle happening where I'm up one moment, down another, and I hate that, but now you're telling me that there's nothing I can do to get out of it? That's depressing. I didn't come here today to be depressed. I came here today to be encouraged. And you're telling me that with regards to this cycle of defeat that I'm in, there's nothing I can do about it? Yeah, that's right. There's nothing you can do about it. Because I'm going to tell you right now, no amount of spending time in God's Word is going to change it. No amount of giving and the offering, and we need you to give so that we can continue to function and we can reach out to people with Jesus, is going to change it. No amount of showing up for a service or anything else that the church offers is going to change it. The cycle is going to be there. You need to understand, the cycle is, can I tell you, Life. Wow, George, that's depressing. Yeah, it is. But it doesn't have to be. Did you understand what I'm saying? It doesn't have to be depressing. Because the reason why it's depressing is because you don't understand. And that's what Paul's going to tell us here in a moment. You don't understand the greater truth. See, if you view your acceptance with God based upon what you're doing you're always going to be defeated. You're always going to be caught up in that cycle and that you can't break on your own. But if you understand what Paul's going to tell you, I can tell you that you begin to realize why this cycle exists. You begin to realize what its purpose is. It has a purpose in your life. And I hope that it drives you to that purpose. So I want you to notice with me. We're going to look at verses 19 through 22 today. Here's what he says. What purpose, then, does the law serve? It was added because of transgressions. Till the seed should come to whom the promise was made, and it was appointed through angels by the hand of a mediator. Now a mediator does not mediate for one only, but God is one. Is the law against the promises of God? Certainly not. For if there had been a law given which would have given life, truly righteousness would have been by the law. But Scripture has confined all under sin that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Now here's what we're going to do, folks. We're going to focus the rest of our time on these few verses and look at the law's purpose. Now, you understand what the law is, right? The law is that which God has set up 
to determine what is right and wrong in his eyes. And I'll be honest with you, that is ultimately the source of defeat in our lives. Because if you think about it, the source of defeat comes from sin. What is sin? That's transgressing against God. And you and I can't get away from that. We can't get away from the fact that we will continually, what? Break God's law. But there's a purpose for the law. There's a purpose for the law that we need to understand. And here's what I want you to see. Several things that come out. First of all, let's take it verse by verse. Verse 19. Look at what he says. What purpose does the law serve? It was added because of transgressions till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. It was appointed through angels by the hand of a mediator. Here's what I want you to see. First of all, because of sin, the law was given through a mediator, Moses. So the first thing you need to understand is this. Because of sin, that's what transgressions are. Transgressions are the things that you do that are wrong. And because the world existed as it did by people sinning, God gave the law. That is, he outlined what it is that he sees as right and wrong through a mediator. Who's that? The lawgiver, Moses. That's where we get the Ten Commandments from. The Ten Commandments were given to who? Moses, who was then given to who? The people of God. And this is because it tells us what is right and what is wrong. So because of sin, the law was given. Now we understand that from human life, right? So we live here in Kerwinsville. Some of you live in Kerwinsville. Some of you live in, in Clearfield. Some of you live in the other areas around. But here in Kerwinsville, I live in Kerwinsville, and you know that the speed limit here in town is what? Anybody know what the speed limit is, folks? 25, right? Now let's just think for a moment if there was no speed limit in town. What would it be like? Nuts, right? Crazy. Because what would people be driving? Anything they want to drive. Now, what's the problem with that? That creates a hazard for everyone. So what did the town decide? What did the borough decide? They established a, what? A speed limit in town. And that speed limit was 25. Now, so then you have everywhere these signs that tell you the speed limit's 25. Now you say, well, George, people still don't drive it. Yeah, I understand that. But because of the sin, people driving whatever, they established the law to maintain safety for everyone else. But the law doesn't stop you from what? Sinning, does it? What does it do, though? It exposes your sin. Do you understand what I'm saying? It reveals your sin. That's what it does. And when your sin is revealed here in town, what happens? You get a ticket. So what we see here is because of sin, the law was given through a mediator. Now, what else does it tell us? From verse 19, the law was given until the promised seed, Jesus, would come. So when Moses gave the law, it was given until the time that the promised seed, who's the promised seed? Jesus would come. Why? Because Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. It was given 
up until the time that the Messiah would come. Why? Because I'm going to, I'll just go ahead and tell you right now. We'll explain it a little bit further as we go on. Because the law exposes your need for who? Jesus. All right, let's stop for a moment. Remember I said all of us will find ourselves in a cycle of defeat, right? All of us will find ourselves in a cycle of defeat. We think everything's going good in our spiritual lives. Then because of sin, we find ourselves defeated, and it's just a continual cycle. And the reason why we find ourselves in those times of defeat is because we sin. And the reason why we know we sin is because God's word shows us that we sin. And so now we are aware that there's something wrong with our spiritual lives and our relationship with Christ. That's what the law did. It exposed us. Well, there's a reason why it exposed you. So that you understand that there's a promised one. So that you understand this is Jesus. And that you need Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? You need Jesus. Think for a moment. Think with me. Romans chapter 7, towards the end of chapter 7, Paul says, Oh, wretched man that I am, who can deliver me from this body of sin? He is expressing the spiritual defeat that is going on in his life and the fact that the good that he wants to do, he doesn't do that which he does not want to do, he does, and he's got this battle going on within him. Who can deliver him? Here's what he says. But thanks be to Christ Jesus. It's Jesus. See, the law was given until the promised one would come, until the promised seed would come, until Jesus would come. Do you understand the purpose? It just doesn't end there. It just doesn't end there. Let's go on. Let's go with me now to verse 20. Now a mediator does not mediate for one only, but God is one. It's kind of an interesting verse. What's he talking about there? Well, he's talking about when you have a contract, Remember, when you have a covenant or a contract, there are two parties, right? Not just one party. And so if there's a mediator, there has to be a mediator between two parties. And then he goes on and says that God is one. That is a statement about who God is. And, and to the Jew especially, they would reflect upon Deuteronomy. Hear, O Israel, the Lord God is what? One. It's talking about God and the supremacy of who he is. Now, there needs to be a mediator in the contract. Who's the contract between? Humanity and God. And that there needs to be a mediator. So here's what I want you to see. Here's the point. The law exposes our need for a mediator with God. The law exposes our need for what? A mediator with God. And we know from the scripture that there's only one mediator between God and man. Who's that, folks? Jesus. Think with me. It all makes sense now, doesn't it? A mediator is kind of like a lawyer, right? An advocate. And then when you think to what John says in 1 John chapter 2, my little children, I write unto you that you sin not, but if you sin, you have a what? An advocate who intercedes for us. Jesus. That's the reality. The law exposes our need for Jesus. So let's stop for a moment. Let's bring it back down to where we are right now. Listen to me. You're living in that cycle of defeat. It's defeating you. It's, it's tearing you up. It's making you think that you're worthless, that there's nothing that you can do with God. And there you are. You're wondering, what do you do? What do you do? How do you get out of it? And I just gave you that wonderful news today that there's nothing that you can do to break it. And you're like, George, I'm depressed. Yes, you're depressed if you're only looking at it from your perspective. But if you're looking at it from Paul's perspective, it should drive you to the promised seed. 
It should drive you to the fact, to the reality, that you can't do it on your own. You need someone else. You need a mediator. And you know who that mediator is, right, folks? Who's the mediator? Jesus, right? Jesus. See, that's the purpose. The purpose of the law is to expose that we need a mediator, that you are sinners in need of a mediator. Do you understand? In need of a mediator. Let's look at verse 21 now. Is the law then against the promises of God? Certainly not. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, truly righteousness would have been by the law. Here's what I want you to see. Here's what Paul's saying. The law does not cancel the promise of salvation. The law does not cancel the promise of salvation. Do you understand that? Some of you need to hear that. So let me bring it down to your level for a moment. Let me, let me bring it down to the level that you understand what I'm talking about here. So here you are, you're going about your life. At some point in your life, you committed your life to Jesus Christ. You recognized who he was as the sovereign God of the universe, the Son of God. You realized that he paid the price for you on the cross, and you committed your life to follow him. And you knew that when he followed you, he accepted you, he loved you, he gave you his Holy Spirit, he's forgiven you. And he's given you a future hope. But here you are, you're going about in this world and in this life. And as you go about in this world and in this life, are you perfect? No, you're not perfect, are you? Will you sin? Yes. Hence comes the defeat. In fact, when you're a newer Christian, the defeat is so real, you begin to question whether or not you even know Jesus, whether or not you're even saved. You ever met a new Christian who struggles with the assurance of their salvation? It's because they don't know what to do with this cycle of defeat. They don't know what to do with the sin. So here's what happens then. So now you're, you're caught up in the shame and the guilt. And so somehow, and you're thinking maybe it's through subtle messages through church, because sometimes we communicated things in church that aren't right. What do you mean by that, George? Well, we communicate standards and stuff that aren't in the Bible that you need to have in order to be accepted by God. But somewhere along the line, you think it's your effort that's going to keep and maintain the relationship with the Lord. So, And some of you remind you think, well, if, as long as I do my devotions, I'll do this. As long as I'm serving, as long as I'm giving, as long as I'm volunteering, as long as I'm attending, then it'll be okay. Now the problem is, think about it, you've set up a standard that you feel you've got to meet in order to come to acceptance with the Lord or maintain the acceptance. Now here's the problem. Can you be perfect in that? Now we've already told you earlier that as you look back to what Paul's already told us, that whenever you set up a standard, it only reveals one thing. It reveals that you are a what? Sinner. You're a sinner. Because you can't be perfect. You can't. And even when you think you're doing good, you can't necessarily know that you're doing good. Why? Because you're corrupted. Even our good things are tainted by our corruptions, aren't they? Just being honest with you. You say, boy, that's pretty helpless, George. Well, I want you to understand. See, that standard, that law that you're setting up doesn't cancel the promise of salvation. 
What do you mean? Because the promise of salvation isn't based on anything you can do. No. Is it based on who you are? No. Is it based on your level of education, your finances, any of that? No. Is it based on what you did in the past that you regret? No. It has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with who, folks? Jesus and what he did for you on the cross. Do you understand? The law doesn't cancel the promise of salvation. You and I need to grasp that. Oh, by the way, let me before I go on to my point, if you look at the last part of verse 21, he says, if the law could, then salvation would be based on the law. Look, if you're doing something could bring about acceptance with God, there would be no need for Jesus to go to the cross for you. Do you understand? That's his point. Look at verse 22 now. But the scripture has confined all under sin that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Two things I want you to see out of this verse. Here's the first one. The scripture reveals that we are all under sin. The scripture reveals that we are all under sin. Remember, I told you that's the purpose of the law. The law is to expose what, folks? That you're not good. You're not perfect. You and I are messes. Did you understand that? I don't care what you think about yourself. We have a tendency to think of ourselves higher than we should. The fact of the matter is God sees us all the same as what? Sinners. And the scripture reveals that. In fact, you can go over to Romans chapter 1 through chapter 3, and he'll go through every type of person there is in the world, from the Gentile in chapter 1 to the moralist, to the guy who lives by a bunch of morals that he can't keep in chapter 2, to even the Jew in chapter 2, all the way up to chapter 3, and then chapter 3, he just sums it up, just in case I've missed anybody, all have sinned and what? Fall short of the glory of God. The law exposes our need that we're all sinners. But here's the second thing. I've kind of alluded to it already. I want you to see it here. Here's the second thing. The law exists so that faith could be given to those who believe. The law exists so that faith could be given to those who believe. I think back to Acts. I think back to the Great Jerusalem Council when they were trying to decide whether or not Gentiles should keep the law or not. Peter speaks up and says, why are we wanting to impose on the Gentiles something that we ourselves could not keep? That's the reality of the law. Can I, can I be honest with you? We like to say we're law-abiding citizens, and in a general sense we are, but are you truly law-abiding? No, let me ride with you in the car. See whether or not you have a lead foot. Do you know what I'm saying? We're not. The law exposes our need. The law exists so that what could take place? Faith. See, that's what salvation is. Salvation with God isn't based upon what you do, folks. Salvation with God is whether or not you believe the one who did it for you. And not just believe, but whether or not you trust with your life, the one who did it for you. Do you understand? That's what it's about. 
Jesus is the one who breaks the cycle. You can't. He breaks the cycle. So what do we do with this? Let me give you two thoughts as we close our time. Number one, you have to choose how you're going to respond to the spiritual defeat. You have to choose how you're going to respond to the spiritual defeat. And let me just go ahead and say it. You're going to go through spiritual defeat. In fact, we've met folks who've gone through the spiritual defeat and they've gotten tired of the struggle and then finally they just decide, I've had enough, and they're gone. They're no longer in our churches. You know people like that. One time they were living for the Lord, but then they just finally said, I'm tired of the struggle. I'm tired of the oppression. What were they oppressed by? Trying to keep some laws. And they said, they're done. In fact, if you talk to them now, they would say, I'm better off than I ever was before. Why? Because they were caught in that cycle of defeat and they didn't know what to do because somehow they had convinced themselves that it was something that they needed to do to get that acceptance with Jesus. See, you've got to choose how you're going to respond to the spiritual defeat. Some of you will choose wrongly. What do you mean by that? Some of you will decide, well, I just need to read more. Just need to give more. Just need to pray more. And so you try that. And nothing changes. That's one way. But there's another way, folks. You could choose to seek the mediator, the promised one. Which brings me to my second point. Here's the second thing you need to see here. Allow your defeat to drive you to Jesus. Allow your defeat to drive you to Jesus. Listen, can I sum it up in one statement if you want to write this down? The law exists to drive you to Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? The law exists to drive you to Jesus. The law exists to expose the reality that there is nothing you can do for yourself. You cannot be perfect because there is no one who is perfect except one, Jesus. And so what the law does is it exposes the reality that you need Jesus. So when you're going through the cycle of defeat, what your choice needs to be rather than getting in the word more, although it's great to get in the word, rather than praying more, although it's great to pray and talk to God, the thing you need to do is just go to him and say, Lord, I need you. I can't do this without you. You're my salvation. You're my hope. See what the law does? It should drive you to the one you need. Jesus. So let me sum it up. You're here. And you've trusted Jesus Christ in your life as your Savior at some point. But you're finding yourself in this cycle and you don't know what to do about it. And people are telling you the famous three things to do. Go to church more, pray more, read your Bible more. But you're still in that cycle of defeat. Now those three things people are telling you are good things. Let me just I'm not going to take away from those good things. We want you to do those things. But I'm going to tell you right now, that's not going to break your cycle. Only Jesus breaks your cycle. How does he do that? It's you coming to the place where you give up the struggle and you rest in him.
You get to the place where you say, it's you, Jesus. I need you. And you let him do his work in your life. That's what you and I need to do. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.